Andrew said this is beautiful fall weather we're having. That's not what I would call it. <laughs> I mean, I got up this morning, my, my throat was just burning me. I had a moment where I started to pray because I was hoping I wasn't coming down with the flu. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have to call somebody. And so I'm looking at Wit's number. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have to call Wit. Uh, but I mean, my nose is just running and it's just doing all of this contrary stuff. That stuff is supposed to stay in, not, not be coming out the way it's coming out right now. Oh my goodness. But if, if you would, just, just keep me in prayer this morning. I really am not feeling 100%. My hands are, are like 15 degrees colder than it usually is. So that's just to tell you how cold uh, I am and how I feel. But I do believe that there is a word from God here this morning that I, I think I have the strength enough to share. Uh, but before we get into our exhortation for this morning, I want to ask uh, in, our, in our crowd here, uh, if, if you are either active in the military or have been active at one point, now retired, of course, in the military, I want to ask you to just stand, if you don't mind. Uh, if you have any type of military background, retired or current, I want to ask you to stand. I I'm hoping in the future we could uh, maybe do a better job on, uh, you know, on the holiday Veterans Day to, to really do a better job just commemorating and, and celebrating uh, all those individuals who have had military experience. Uh, I do have a, a brother, an older brother. Uh, he spent 15 years in the Navy. And, you know, I, I only got to know Kyle. I met him for the very first time back in 2012. Uh, you know, so we, we actually first made contact back in 2012. And ever since then, I've, I've always... Uh, kind of been mindful around Veterans Day and, you know, Memorial Days and stuff like that. I've always been mindful of the goodness of God to have kept him throughout the different tours and everything that he did so that we could have had the opportunity to meet. And from that day since Kyle and, and, and myself, we met, uh, you, you wouldn't know that we went for an extended period of time not knowing each other. I mean, we talk every week. Uh, we're actually going, my, our family's actually going up to New York to spend some time with them for Thanksgiving. And so, you know, I'm just mindful that we have so many individuals in our congregation and in this place that have family members who have experienced active duty at one point. Uh, and I'm also aware that there are a number of individuals who have family members who did not make it back on home soil. And so we want to be mindful of the fact that we, we enjoy freedom, but I've always heard the saying said that freedom is free to somebody, it costs somebody something. Uh, so we have the opportunity, we have the privilege of being able to, to sit here and to worship with some sense of security only because of the sacrifices of men and women that have gone by and men and women even today. And so I just want to say thank you uh, to all of you for your service uh, to each and every single one of us. I want to bring your attention, if you don't mind. Could you just stand with me one more time? And I want to bring your attention into the book of Philippians. The chapter is 1. 
And I'm going to take up the reading from verse number 21, Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to take the reading beginning at verse number 21. For me to live, Paul would say, is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I really don't know. For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which, as a matter of fact, is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful, Paul would say, for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of or in the faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming again unto you. I want to speak to you this morning from the subject I've entitled, Ready for Heaven but required here, ready for heaven, but required here. Just indulge me if you would as I try to get this song out of my spirit just for a little bit. Uh, if, if you know it, that will be great. If you don't, that's fine as well. Just maybe listening on the words, all right? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here. Light in the darkness 
moving in our midst. Moving in our midst, we worship you. We worship you. You are here. You are here. Turning lives around. Turning lives around. We worship you. We worship you. You are here. Mending broken hearts. Mending broken hearts. We worship you. We worship you. You are here. You are here. Healing. Healing every heart. We worship you. We worship you. my light in the darkness my god that is who you are way maker miracle promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you Go ahead and have your seats. Go ahead and have your seats. As we begin in our text this morning, I just want to spend some time just looking at this brief text in the hope that this would, would serve as a real blessing to each and every single one of us. You know, as I picture Paul here, I see someone who I've spent a lot of time on the road who has been through a lot of things uh, in, in his short time as a minister. He has stood for truth. He has stood up for the Gentiles while being attacked by the Jews. He, he has stood up among his own countrymen to help them understand that he understands where they're coming from. For at one point in his life, he himself had considered uh, Jesus and his disciples to be great blasphemers. He, he stood there and allowed a multitude to take up stones and to kill a young man by the name of Stephen the Evangelist for the position that he held as far as his belief in the gospel. So Paul also understands uh, many of the the, the fiery dust that are coming to him as a result of the belief system of the Jews. But, but you get this sense as you read here in chapter number one that Paul has gotten to a place where he is just ready to be with his Lord. And I don't know about you, but this resonates with me. I remember when I first came to know Jesus Christ as a young man, as I, as I started to experience life more and more, I, I got to a place, and I'm still at that place if I'm being honest with you, but I, I got to a place where I was just ready to be with God. And I don't know about you, but there are things in this life that just pushes me to a position to where I am just ready to leave this earth. Lord, I want you to come now. As I, as I look around at the decay in families, in my own family, I, 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 I am fed up. As I look around at death and decay, I am fed up. I, as I look around at sickness and decline, I am fed up. I, I don't know about you, but I am fed up. 
of the frustrations of this life. There are times when life could be so joyous, but if you live just for a little bit, become fed up of the things that we're seeing around us. I'm fed up of all the foolery. I'm fed up of, of all the arguments. I'm, I'm fed up of all the fightings. I'm, I'm tired and I'm weary, and I just want to be with God. And as I see Paul in this particular text, I see somebody who has labored for God and who continues to labor for God even in a position of being imprisoned, but he is ready. Any, anybody here ready to be with God? Anybody here just desires that those clouds would burst and it would be time to be with our Lord for an eternity? Paul is ready to accept the promise that was made unto him and to all those who believe in Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm at a place where I'm just ready. I'm ready. Lord, come now if you will. I'm ready. I don't want to get too old. I don't want to get too gray. I don't want to get to a point where I can't do as much for you anymore. I don't want to go through all the pains and the pangs of life anymore. Lord, come. And Paul is in a position, I believe, where he is expressing his frustration. I want to be with God. But yet still, as Paul shares his frustration, he also shares his heart's desire and delight. I want to share with us that within the confines of our text on this morning, it falls within the framework of a section in chapter number one. Now, chapter number one of the book of Philippians can be broken up into three sections. Number one, the introduction and thanksgiving for the Philippian church. That's actually found in verse number one through eleven. Then, uh, secondly, Paul's edification on the prophet that we find in hardship. That's actually verses 12 through 26. But if we continue on in the breaks in chapter number 1, just chapter number 1, there are four chapters in the book of Philippians, but right there in chapter 1 alone, we have three distinct breaks that we could make clearly within the chapter. The third break, or the third section, is entitled, His Exhortation for Them to Endure in Hope. To endure in hope. Where our text is found is found in the second section where he is edifying the church as to the prophet that we have, the prophet that he had when he is encountering or was encountering hardship. And so Paul shares within the confines of this text three things. And I want to do this as quickly as I can because I know it's cold outside and I don't want our brothers outside to be freezing too much. I want us to look at three things. I want us to look at Paul's dilemma. I want us to look at Paul's desire. But I also want us to look at Paul's debt. Paul's dilemma, his desire, but also his debt. You guys with me? His dilemma, his desire, but also, let's see, his debt. When we talk about Paul's dilemma, Paul says, I'm in a weird place right now because on the one hand, I'm ready to be with my Lord. But on the other hand, I recognize for me to stay here in the flesh is going to be beneficial for you all. So as he's writing to the brethren at Philippi, he says, listen, my heart's desire is to be with the Lord, to be out of this body and to be with the Lord to receive my eternal reward. 
So he says, really, that's my heart's desire that I want. I desire to be with God. However, I recognize that it's profitable. Nevertheless, in spite of my desire to be with God, it's profitable that I stay here in this flesh for you. Let me see if I could make this plain while I try to illustrate this. Let me see if I could make this plain. I, 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 I'm the type of person, I'm, I'm blessed to be married now, and not only am I married, but I also have kids. And so I'm in a weird place where I, I, I desire to be with Christ. I'm in a weird place as a husband and a father where I desire to, 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 to have my crown. I, I desire to have my robe. I, I desire to be in glory with, with Jesus Christ and the host of heaven. I desire this, but I'm in a weird place because I do have a wife that I very much love. And I do have kids that have yet to grow, to grow up. So I'm in a weird place to where I desire, God knows my heart, I, I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to be with you, God. But, but in as much as I want to be with you, there are some things that I still want to do and some things I still want to see. I still want to spend some time on this side of heaven with my, my wife to grow a little bit older together. I want to experience what it, what it would mean and feel like to become an empty nester one day. I, I promise you, I, I feel like it's going to be like a honeymoon all over again. I, I, I want to feel that way once more. But also, if I'm being honest, I'm in a weird place because I want to see my kids grow up. Little Isaiah, he, he is now three, and, and every single week that goes by, it feels like his, his vocabulary is growing. And with a growing vocabulary just means a boy who never stops talking. It doesn't matter how long the journey is from place to place. If we're in the car for an hour, he's talking for an hour. He's talking, he is singing, he is annoying everybody and everything alive. And, and he'll even talk with himself. And that's funny to me. But, but, but the point is there are things that I desire to see. I desire to see my little girl grow up. And while I say that on one hand, here is my next strange position, Andrew. In as much as I desire to see my little girl grow up, I don't know what it's going to feel like the day, Lord willing, when I have to relinquish her into the hands of somebody else. I desire to see my little boy grow up and know God. And who knows? I'm not trying to push him to be a preacher. But if he desires to be a preacher, so be it. But I desire to see my kids grow up and, and just be good citizens and love on people while teaching the gospel and bringing the lost to Jesus Christ. That's a desire that I have. So I find myself in a particular situation in a particular spot because on one hand uh, my desire is to be with the Lord uh, I desire to be with God right now if possible but on the other hand Lord <laughs> you know I want to be with you but I also have some responsibility that I still need to accomplish down here so Paul is saying I am in a strait betwixt two things the word straight there is a complex and a compound word. Sorry, a complex, not compound, but a complex word. It carries with it several connotations. I want to give us three. Number one, it talks about a city that is under siege or attack. And so this, this particular city, there, there is an army that is around it. No one can go out and at the same time, nothing can come in. So he says, I feel this way. I feel as if I am stuck 
in this place, but the reason why I'm stuck in this place, you will notice, is for a particular purpose. So he says the, 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 the city is being besieged. You are essentially, this is what Paul is saying, if, he, if he's using this word in this context, you are, are essentially a prisoner in your own city. If you live godly in Christ long enough, you will suffer persecution. You will go through hardship. You will go through difficulty. And I want to appreciate something, that the devil attacks some things in our lives. The devil attacks our families. He attacks our finances. He even attacks our fitness. And of course, he attacks our faith. And when we're going through things and these attacks, we could feel as if we are a prisoner in our own bodies. So he uses this word straight, and this word, like I said before, is indicative of a city that's under siege. But not only is this word indicative of a city that's under siege, but it gives the idea as well of, of a narrow channel. A narrow channel. The best way I could use to illustrate this would, would be to kind of talk about to talk about if you're going on a corridor. And there is a pathway, of course, that you have to walk, but on either side of you are walls. Between Trinidad and Tobago, there is a body of water that is called the Bocas. Say Bocas. Okay, say Bocas. Bocas, Bocas. That, that simply means it's a, it's a rough channel of water. The issue with these channels is that you're already really heading towards a particular destination ahead of you. you. It's not really about going to the left or to the right, but you have to stay within the confines and travel along that narrow channel or that narrow path. So the word straight there could also mean a narrow channel. You have to journey. If you're taking a boat, you have to journey. If you're trying to go from Trinidad to Tobago, you have to go through the Bocas. But also, this word straight is used when it talks about a cattle squeeze. This one is interesting because the, the cattle squeeze is a narrow enclosure built to confine cattle or horses when receiving medicine. It's interesting because as, as confining as the, the cattle squeeze is, and as cruel as it may look to somebody who doesn't understand the, pur the, the purpose of the cattle squeeze, you, 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 know we have, you know we have animal activists and you know we kind of jokingly call you know, nature lovers, tree huggers and stuff like that. You know, so you might, a, a person who doesn't understand the purpose of the cattle squeeze might, might look at, at an animal, a horse or a, a cattle in, in the cattle squeeze and think, oh how cruel. How cruel to confine this animal to this, this, this space to where it can't move anything but, 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 but its, its head, right? But the real reality about the cattle squeeze is that the cattle squeeze is, is used to help the cattle. It's actually beneficial for the cattle to keep the cattle or the animal from harming itself while it's receiving what it's supposed to be receiving, in this case, medicine. So at times, even though this space might be confining, even though this space might feel constricting, the truth about this area, this place that Paul has found himself in, is that he understands that it is beneficial, not just to him, but he says it's beneficial to the Philippian brethren as well. 
So Paul isn't in this space trying to make a decision. And this is what I want us to see too in this text. It's not about Paul trying to make a decision as to whether he was going to stay or not. It sounds as if he is saying that, but Paul didn't have a say either way on whether or not, unless he was thinking about taking his own life. Paul didn't really have a say as to whether he was going on to be with the Lord in that moment or if he was going to stay. That was up to, 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 to Christ. That was up to God and those who had, had him as a prisoner. Now, what Paul did recognize, and you don't read this in the text, is that depending on what he chose, he could have determined when it, when it came time to make a defense for himself, he could have determined how harshly he spoke or how much of wisdom he used as he laid a defense for himself. Case in point, if, you, if you've read the book of Acts, you recognize that in Acts chapter number 7, we encounter a man, an evangelist by the name of Stephen. And Stephen stands before these religious leaders, he stands before these, these, these Jews, and he declares Jesus Christ unto them. And as he declares Jesus Christ unto them, he uses some very choice words. And I, I, I am one of those that believe that maybe if Stephen didn't take such a firm stand to, to call them stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, maybe if Stephen had chosen some better words to talk to these, this hostile crowd, he might have still been alive. But Stephen in that moment, notice what the scripture says. If you look at Acts chapter number 7, Stephen in that moment, he took, he took a strong stand for Jesus in calling out the faithlessness of the crowd that he was present in. And so in that moment, Paul might have been thinking, well, I really don't have a choice as to whether I want to be with the Lord or not. But what he might be saying is that maybe if I, if I decide to go the harsh route, it might be time for me to go and be with the Lord. But if I work this in such a way where I use some wisdom and I, I use my words a little bit better, then it might mean as I make a defense for myself, they might determine to let me go. So maybe as you think about, 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 about Paul's desire, he is saying, listen, I desire to be with the Lord, but here is, here is what I want. I recognize the need to stay with you guys because if I stay here, it's more beneficial to you. So if I stay here and it's going to be more beneficial for you, then what comes out my mouth next might aid in me staying here just a little bit longer. But the point is this. Paul is not within a position where he is literally saying, I have to choose between going on to be with the Lord or choose between staying you. No, no, no. He says, I need to choose to live in the purpose of which God has given to me. Because the only place forward in the straight, the only way, the only place to go is forward. If you could follow me on this. Come up, come up here for a little second, bro. Come up here for a second. I want you to do this really quickly for me. I'm almost done, by the way. I want, you, I want you to stand in the back here. I want to try and illustrate this. If you think about the strait that we find ourselves in as Christians, it's not dissimilar from where Paul found himself. We're, we're in the same position. We, our desire is to go on, should be to go and be with the Lord, but at the same time, there are still things that we need to do on this earth present here today. But, but I want this channel to represent time. Time. So this space represents time. We have the desire to go on to be the Lord, but we also have a responsibility to people that we are connected to here on earth. So while we are navigating this particular channel, 
the only place to step is actually forward. And as we step forward, what happens is time creeps up behind us because there is no real going back in time. All we have is forward movement. Let me, let me see if I could illustrate this. So no matter what we do, we can't go back because we can't reclaim, so to speak, time. Because as long as time moves, I can't get back the time that has gone. So Paul says, I'm in this strait. And if you understand the strait, is he says, listen, I am in a weird place to where I'm living with a desire every single day to be with God. But also, while I'm living in that desire to be with God, time is rolling on. And on the other hand, I also am living with a desire to continue doing what I can while I'm still in the flesh. So he says, I'm in this strait betwixt two, desiring to be with God. But at the same time, I know for me to be in the flesh is helpful and needful for you all. There is no going back. Let me show you how this works. If there is no going back and the only place to go is forward, then there are some things in the past that we need to just let stay in the past. Guilt that we hold on to is only, only grows when stuff in the past, we continue to hold on to it as if it's our present-day partner. Shame only grows when things in the past that are supposed to be in the past come alongside us as if we are married or espoused it. So there are things in the past, Paul says, that we need to forget and we need to keep pressing on because we find ourselves in this straight. And the straight is a narrow channel where we're taking step after step, where we're pressing forward into God's purpose. It's either you have a seat or you could sit down. It's up to you, bro. I'm almost, I'm almost there. So Paul says, I, I have this dilemma where my desire is to be with God, but I also recognize that there is a need for me to be present here with you. It's going to help further your faith and further help the faith. But also, not only do we see Paul's dilemma, but Paul shares, of course, his desire. He says his desire is to depart. I want you to look at this. This word depart, notice he doesn't say, it's my desire to die. Notice in verse number 23, Paul says, I have a desire to depart, to go on to be with the Lord. Notice Paul never says, I'm desirous of dying. It's not that Paul couldn't use the word die or death. But he's intentional about using this word depart to depict his belief system now and his theology, his understanding of the afterlife. And I want us to appreciate something. The way we treat our belief system and theology of the afterlife is going to influence our current present day living. Let me, let me, let me. I know this morning is a bit cold, so it might be a little time, take, take a little time for us to get heated a little bit. Our belief system of the afterlife impacts our present day living. I got some head nods here. Let me come over. Let me come over here. Our belief system 
our theology of the afterlife impacts our present day life. Let me show you how that works. A person who doesn't believe in any sort of afterlife, a person who, who doesn't recognize whether blessings or cursings in any form of afterlife will live this current life any old way. But if your belief system and your theology of the afterlife says that there is a reward, either blessing or curse, for the way that we live present day, then our belief system of our afterlife situation is going to determine and impact the way that we live present day. So if you want to be with the Lord, that's afterlife type of theology. If, you, if, you, if there is a life after death, that's afterlife theology. If there is a crown that's supposed to be there for those individuals who believe on Jesus Christ, then how we live now impacts the desire to be with the Lord. You guys, you guys with me on that? So Paul says, listen, I, I, I really do have a strong desire to be with God, but in as much as I have a desire to be with God, I understand that my desire to be with God and receive my inheritance is impacted by my ability to follow in God's purpose and in God's will. And it's God's will that I stay in this flesh and I continue to serve you and, and try to bring as many souls as I can unto glory. So church, if we aren't living every single day in God's will, that is going to impact on this desire that we claim to have to be with the Lord. Watch this. Let me ask this question one more time. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I have one more point and I'm done. Let me ask this question one more time. I want you to be honest. Does everybody here want to be with God for eternity? Yes. Does everybody here want to be with God right now? Well, with the breath that you have right now, because you, we are all alive with the breath and the life that God has given us now, how we live this life now is going to impact on the desire that we have to be with the Lord. So we need to be careful, Paul is saying, we need to be careful to continue walking in God's will and his favor, even when the conditions may not seem favorable to or feel favorable to us. Last point and we'll be done. So not only do we see Paul's desire, but also we, in, we indicate, uh, we find Paul's debt. Let me do this really quick. Paul says that his desire is to depart. This word depart is, is a military term. It means a soldier pulling down his tent. It's, it's a sailing term to uh, loosen a ship and set into calm waters. It's a farming term to take the yoke of the oxen at the end of a long, hard work day. It's also a political term uh, that references the setting of a captive free. Paul is ready, he's desirous to be set free from the labors of this life and to receive his crown of glory. But he says, in as much as that is the case, I do recognize that I still have a debt so in verses number 24 and 25, he says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith. So Paul's dilemma is that he desires to be with God. But his determination is to walk and continue walking in God's will until God calls him home. <laughs> don't, don't, don't miss that. Paul's dilemma is that he desires to be with God. But ultimately his determination 
is to walk and live in God's will as long as there is breath in his body until God calls him home. It's not my agenda. It's not human agenda. It's God's agenda. So Paul says we all need to recognize that we are found right within the confines of that strait. Whereas we desire to be with God, that's futuristic in scope and thinking. But recognize that we are in Christ and being in Christ, we are with God already. So really when Paul says his desire is to go on to be with the Lord, he is talking about actually being in the presence of God in this eternal dwelling place. But even right here while he's in the flesh and in this mortal realm, because he is found in Christ, he also recognizes that he is with and in God. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where, again, if, if we want to receive the eternal abode, we need to how to learn in this mortal one. And I want to suggest to us that there is still a purpose and a place for the people of God in this lost and dying world. I want to suggest to us that we still need to be salt and light in a lost and dying world. I want to suggest to us that there are still kids to raise and spouses to love. I want to suggest to us that there are still broken homes to help bring healing to. I want to suggest to us that there are still communities that are broken that we need to bring healing to. I want to suggest to us that there are people who are lost and laden in sin that need to come to jail. I want to suggest to us, as much as we have labored and we feel as if we are frustrated by the, by the things of this life and the things that we see around us because there is breath in us, if you are a child of God, God still has a purpose and a plan for you. And that's to win as many as humanly possible to Christ Jesus. Will you stand us together? We sing our song of invitation. If you are here this morning and you desire the prayer of the church, I want to encourage you to come forward and let it be known. Repeat with me and we'll be done. I'm ready for heaven. But I'm required here. Let's sing our song of invitation.